Welcome to Leader Talk, a podcast in which we talk to leaders of deeper learning schools. Most of our guests are principals who lead schools that focus on critical thinking, problem solving, and depth of understanding. Students in these deeper learning schools typically have much greater student agency, voice, and choice than you would see in a more traditional school, and they often engage in more authentic, real-world work that makes an impact in the communities around them. The goal of Leader Talk is to make explicit the concrete, tangible leadership behaviors and organizational support structures that foster students' deeper learning opportunities. Thanks for joining us. Greetings, Leader Talk listeners. My name is Scott McLeod. I am a professor of educational leadership at the University of Colorado, Denver, and the founding director of CASTLE, C-A-S-T-L-E, the first university center in the United States focused on leadership, deeper learning, technology, and innovation. Today, my guest on Leader Talk is Kelly Tenkeley, the executive director, founding principal, and architect of learning at Anastasis Academy in Centennial, Colorado. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Kelly, let's start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your school and its learning model, and the students and families that you serve. Yeah, um, I started Anastasis 12 years ago. Um, it was not my intent ever to start a school, but I am a learner and um, sometimes, you know, you follow things in life and it leads you to doors unexpected. And, and that's definitely true with Anastasis. Um, I first started um, as a technology integration specialist and a teacher and loved that position, um, led to connections with uh, incredible other educators like yourself. Um, that's how we first got connected. And um, yeah, one thing led to another and um thought that maybe technology could solve some problems in education. And um, at the time, Pandora Internet Radio was new and felt magical. And um, a song came on I had never heard before. And I thought, man, if we can personalize music to such a high degree, why couldn't we personalize learning in the same way? And so um, started digging into the back end of Pandora. And it's called the Music Genome Project based on the Human Genome Project. And I thought, well, learning could be mapped Similarly, uh, if we really were intentional about getting to know a student, could we better kind of match up and empower teachers differently to find the right thing for the right kiddo? Um, so I created a piece of technology with the intent of that um, matching called the Learning Genome Project and um, pretty quickly realized we don't have a model of education ready to do that. So Anastasis really grew out of this kind of journey of how do we better see kids and honor kids in their own learning? Um, how do we empower teachers differently? And so 12 years later, here we are with the school. Um, so we are a kindergarten through eighth grade school in Centennial, Colorado. We are inquiry-based um, primarily. Um, that is, is the biggest thing that we do. We are highly relational, uh, both within our staff and with our students. Um, we're very intent, I would say, on getting to know all of the people in our in our vicinity and um, and really intentional about that process of how do we build relationship and then how do we do learning in life together from there. Kelly, um, you're an independent micro school. Tell folks what are. the uh, micro school, tell us a little bit about the demographics of the children and families there. Yeah, so we are intentionally a small school. Uh, one of the things that was important to me um, on starting the school was, um, I, I can't remember what I probably was reading at the time, but I learned about this idea of Dunbar's Law 
um, being that when we get too big as a community, it's impossible to know everyone well in the community. And I thought if we're truly going to individualize, we really need to have the ability to know who is in our um, care, who our teachers are, um, who, you know, all of our teachers should know all other teachers, not just from a um from a colleague standpoint, but also really relationally, um, what do we know about each other? And I wanted the same for students. So uh, we are an intentionally small K-8 school. Um, we will never get bigger than about 150. Right now in our space, we fluctuate between about 50 and 65. Um, but it's really from that intent of how do we build community well? How does everyone in the community operate um, in a healthy way together? How do we know each other? Um, so that's really where we got our start um, from that micro school perspective. And then the families that we serve, um, we are an independent school. Uh, we are tuition-based. Um, we didn't start with any backing, um, formal backing, as far as uh, money goes. It was truly, you know, $60 to start a website and whatever was in my pocket at the time. Um, and just built out the model looking at, you know, I, I believe that all kids deserve the kind of education that we're doing at Anastasis. And so really taking a step back and looking at what is per pupil expenditure in our, our current system? And then how do we build out with those same constraints um, so that we can show that this is possible everywhere? So our tuition is set based on per pupil expenditure in the public school. Uh, and then we really just looked at, um, you know, how do, how do we play within those same boundaries? Um, so the students that we serve because we are tuition based are primarily upper middle class. Um, we have um, a pretty racially diverse uh, group of kids given our location in Colorado, um, which is really unique, um, I think, for, for the type of school we are. Uh, it's something a lot of folks comment on that that is, is different about us. I don't know that that was really intentional on our, on our part. I think there's something that draws, you know, a lot of differing families and, and backgrounds to us. Um, about 10% of our population uh, would be considered Title I students in a public setting. Um, and those students um, are scholarshiped. Part of our model is to take 10% of what we budget each year and, and put that towards scholarships. So um, we do offer financial aid for folks and um, believe that that's important um, just from the standpoint of who we are and kind of how we do things. Nice. All right, Kelly, let's get into the heart of it. Uh, what are some cool things that your students do? What are some examples that illustrate the power of your school? I know everybody's like, why is Scott talking to Kelly? Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So I think one of the most unique things about Anastasis that people feel right away is walking into our space, you immediately feel this sense of freedom. And that's something that you know, students who are shadowing immediately say, like, there's a lot of freedom here. And I think for a lot of um, educators, that freedom can be scary when you're seeing it for the first time, because you're looking at something and it's being co-created with students, um, right? So we're not, we don't use any boxed curriculum. We don't, we don't start with any kind of packaged anything. What we really start with is who are the students in our care? How do we get to know them? And then how do we build an experience out of that? Um, inquiry is really beautiful because it allows students to really um, bring their own gifts, their own passions, um, their own questions and curiosities and show up every day with those and then allows us to really follow, follow those trails with the students and kind of co-create together. Um, I think it's the best natural differentiator. It, it is um, a mindset shift for sure, but I think once uh, educators have that mindset shift, it really makes so much sense and and takes so much off of our plates because it's not us bringing everything to our students. It's really um, 
it's really showing up together in relationship and then following it together. So some of the projects our kids are currently working on, um, Michelle Baldwin, who has been with us since year one, is an amazing educator. She is right now part-time with us and um, she keeps telling people she's re partially retired, but I won't let her go. So um, she's a music teacher with us right now. And, and they, uh, in the junior high, they're working on a pro an inquiry project about um, the vocal system and how the vocal system works. And so um, it started with this question of like, you know, how, how does the vocal system work? And then um, can you create a model that would demonstrate this? And so right now in music, not only are they doing kind of what you would typically think of in music of learning different songs and um, using some of our instruments and, and these types of things, but they're also, co they're also creating this incredible um, understanding of how all of these different instruments work, starting with our, the, you know, the great instrument we all show up with, which is our voice. Um, our youngest kids right now are working on an inquiry block called How the World Works, and they're looking at patterns in all the stretch of imagination of what patterns look like. So really, um, discovering patterns in nature, which led to this great discussion about Fibonacci, where they're, they're kind of figuring out this Fibonacci sequence and how it's showing up in, in lots of different places that they're seeing. Um, they have, uh, we do field trips on average once a week. So they're out and actually seeing things in context. Um, but that Fibonacci sequence, they're actually now replicating in poems where they're creating a Fibonacci poem that that follows that same mathematical principle, uh, which has been really interesting to see kind of the tie in of, of patterns that they're seeing in nature. And then how do we extrapolate that pattern in different areas in our life? Um, our oldest kids are working on um, the same how the world works. Uh, we do the same inquiry unit for the whole building. So um, everybody's kind of looking at the same big question. And then the the way that we um, view that from class to class changes quite a bit. So the oldest kids have been looking at um, the different laws of nature, and they're actually exploring how our understanding historically of laws of nature is starting to change through um, quantum physics and, and um these different laws that we're understanding a little bit differently, like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't work quite as neatly as we thought, or it doesn't. And so seeing that um, everyone in life is still in this process of inquiry that we haven't, you know, when I was in school, it was like, you learned it in a book. And so it had that had to be like the end word on it, because it was in a book, it was printed, you know. Uh, and I think our students see that, um, that it's never an endpoint that for anyone, it's, it's this ongoing unfolding process. Um, historically at Anastasia, some of the really cool things that we've done, we have a strong um, kind of social justice tie-in, uh, service tie-in. And so seeing our kids do projects um, where they're in the in the world um, noticing a problem and then coming up with the solutions. So um, during the 2016 elections, uh, the kids were hearing a lot in the media about um, immigration and, and different ways that folks come to this country. And a lot of it they were finding was not true to their experience of meeting, you know, refugees in our community. And so um, they were like, I think we should, I think we need to create a community event where people can come in and we can like share these stories. People need to know the story of Farducer. They need to know these different stories of, um, Lutheran family services here in town and what they're doing with these populations and, and actually hear firsthand the stories. So they single-handedly, these, these two 12-year-old girls single-handedly put on this um, silent auction 
Uh, if you ever need anything donated, like kids are the greatest way to get things donated um, because they call and no one can turn them down. Um, but they put on this whole evening and then invited community members in to really um, experience firsthand these stories and hear from these different organizations about what was really happening in our own community. And so it was it's just incredible to see them kind of see a problem and then, you know, they're, they're having these experiences and wanting to introduce people to some of those solutions. Oh, it's so fantastic. Thank you, Kelly. Um, what are some things that you think your school does really well that might be different from a more traditional school down the street? Yeah, I would say the thing I think we do really well is, is really the relationship. Um, that's where it starts with us. Um, I think if we did nothing else right and we got that right, it would be enough um, to be pretty transformative. Uh, our first two days of school, we call learner profile days. And those are days when we intentionally set aside time. That's a one-on-one -on -one between teacher and, um, and student. And they sit down and they play this card game that's part of the Learning Genome Project. And they just get to know each other. And the cards, there's nothing fancy about the cards. It's just a way for us to really start conversations and have... Um, and have the kids um, to be able to tell their stories, have a vehicle for telling their stories. Um, but that, I think starting the year that way indicates one, we really value um, student voice that we wanna get to know who they are. Um, there's not a lot of opportunities where um, adults take intentional, you know, intentional time to get to know a kid and and hear from them what is important to them or what they care about or what they're afraid of. Um, and so I think starting the year that way is a pretty strong indicator that something is very, very different is happening here. And, um, and yeah, everything that we do kind of unfolds from that first, from that first meeting. And so I think, you know, when I look at what we do, that's so different, a lot of people you know, we'll claim inquiry or we'll claim project-based learning or service learning and some of these different things that we do as well. But I think the difference um, really between Honest Office and anywhere else is that intentionality behind getting to know uh, the folks in our community um, and building that relationship. Awesome. Thanks. Um, Kelly, you know, the goal of this podcast is to really kind of unpack and make concrete some of those very explicit, tangible leadership behaviors and uh, organizational support structures that are fostering students' deeper learning opportunities. So let's unpack both of those and let's start with the organizational side. What are some of the key organizational support structures that you have in place that enable the kind of learning and teaching that you want to see? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to trusting um, the teachers who I hire. So that trust um, is is very intentionally given both ways, right? We're, we're co-creating something every day. So it's not that teachers are walking into a space where everything has a rule and everything's kind of set out. It really is showing up and saying, what do we need this year? What does this look like this year? How do we how do we do this together? How do we create this together? So I think that trust um, kind of undergirding everything and the relationship we build as a staff is really important. Um, when I say relationship, a, a lot of times, you know, within a school, you might have, again, that more um, collegiate uh, type of relationship. But for us, it's, you know, we're, we're on a text chain 
constantly with each other. We're sending each other memes. We're watching, you know, I got a calendar invite today for the renewal of Ted Lasso, right? When that's going to be on, um, because that's something that we're all kind of like discussing and doing together. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with um, that intentionality, again, of just re building relationships from that organizational and then uh, letting our teachers know, letting everyone on staff know, like their voice is important to me as much as what I'm bringing. Um, and I have not been a part myself of a lot of organizations that kind of run in that way. Um, but for what we do, that's really important um, that we live the thing that we're we're saying to our students as well. So Kelly, I'm laughing um, because I asked you what organizational and support structures you have in place. And your first answer was, <laughs> we lean away from those and we lean into relationships and trust, which makes me laugh. But yeah. you're not just complete anarchy and chaos there. You have stru structured instructional processes uh, yeah. to the things you want to see, right? Yeah, there's still there's still things that undergird everything, but I think without that trust, without like leaning away from a little bit, that 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 makes it really hard. Um, you know, organizationally, we've got um, we have a an underpinning for our inquiry blocks and kind of how those are going to flow for the year. Um, we don't know exactly what that will look like because we're all bringing ourselves to it. But there's something you know undergirding all of it. We still look at next generation science standards, Colorado social studies standards, um, common core standards. We're still, you know, tied to something. I would say just our approach to what that means for us organizationally is very different from what it might mean to someone else. Um, so that's why I start with the lean away, actually, because I'm like, we do have those things, but I don't know that that's what makes it magic at Anastasis. I think it's actually the lean away in some ways that allows um, those organizational structures to work the way that they do. Um, you know, we have a code that we agree to live by at Anastasis um, and not necessarily a list of rules, but just a way of this is how we're gonna show up and interact with each other. And that code is true for staff members, but it's also true for the kids. And so um, there are some of those things that that kind of tie us together and keep us um, kind of working in the same direction. Um, we have a lot of um, books and, and kind of things that we go back and back and back to um, that are historical for us and become organizational for us, things that culturally we, we um, have just become part of our vernacular. Um, it's so hard because when we think about like who we are and are reflective about that, it's become so much our norm that it's hard to pull apart what exactly is happening until someone comes and minds it for us. Got it. Um, what are some things that you do personally? You're the primary leader in the building. Uh, what do you uh, think about? What are you very intentional about? What are you very purposeful about to make sure, you know, um, is supporting, you know, your students and your staff? Yeah, I think one of the things um, I'm really purposeful about and have been from the beginning is a sense of playfulness that we're showing up, um, not with, you know, a rigid structure that I'm expecting everyone to show up in, but a, more of a sense of playfulness. And what are we bringing? How are we playing with ideas? How are we, um, how are we kind of turning things on their head a little bit and, and questioning everything? Um, and it can be really wonderful and it can also be the hardest part of anastasis. And that's true for like students. It's also true for um, staff because when you give that much freedom, 
Um, and then people use it and you're like, wait a minute, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't align with what the direction I was expecting it to go or how, how I thought it might go. So um, our professional development, the things that we do internally um, are, are pretty playful. The way that we work, I think, um, focuses more heavily on culture first and not so heavily on curriculum. Most of the schools that I have been a part of start with the tool or the curriculum or the whatever it is, the external um, process, the philosophy, that type of thing. Um, at Anastasis, we start with um, kind of who we are individually and then who we are organizationally. And we are co-creating the who we are organizationally based on who's showing up um, individually, if that if that makes sense. It does indeed. Um, Kelly, you have the advantages of being a micro school can the Anastasis model scale to say a four to 700 student K-8 school? I think with some intentionality about how the internal structures look, that it that it is possible. Um, I think Castleview uh, High School here in Colorado um, did some really interesting things where they had different academies within the school. Um, and I think in that way, you know, you can kind of replicate the Anastasis model um, by kind of creating cohorts within the within the larger school. Um, but I, I think it's it's probably harder, right, to do what we're doing in that big of a scale. What I would prefer to see personally is more schools that are um, leaning micro, uh, really intentional about building community internally. Um, and then sharing the bigger resources, right? Sharing the sports teams or the the labs and those types of things. Um, in my dream world, we share a lot more of those human resources and, and like all the bigger structures, but from a um, student perspective that we are micro and um, intentionally building that smaller community um, so that students know they're known. And, um, and I just think there's a different... Um, a different way you show up when you're known. Um, and I think that's true as an adult and as a student as well. Kelly, I've been to your school multiple times and I think, you know, I always feel so cozy and welcome when I'm there, <laughs> um, which is great. And, and you can just tell that, um, you know, Anastasis really embraces the people that are there, both the young people and the staff. Um, how do you onboard new people? What do you look for when you hire? You know, it's interesting. Um, it's hard to know what to look for when I look forward or historically, that's been true. Um, but when I look backward at who we've hired that's been super successful in Anastasis, they all have similar um, kind of tenants that, that now we know, you know, when somebody comes across our desk with that, like it's it, they're worth a second look. Um, one, they tend to have pretty varied ex life experience. So not necessarily that they've taught in a ton of schools, um, but that they've traveled, that they've been a part of um, uh, camps. A lot of them have been like camp counselors, right? So there's a different way you show up in a camp than you show up in a school. And I think that um, when you show up at Anastasis, it feels more camp-like, right? So um, yeah, there's, there's something different just about kind of the experience that we see that has been uh, traditionally really successful. Um, lots of different varied interests. So something I ask in interviews all the time is like, tell me all of your interests outside of education, because I want to know 
you know, are you fully obsessed with your job? That might work in some places, but we found in Anastasis, like an inquiry model, we need you to have lots of different interests that you're bringing to the classroom as well. Um, and so, yeah, finding finding out those things about uh, about educators, um, people who like to be creative, who like to design, who are not, these are not your rule book followers, right? These are people who are like, well, what rule book or like, let's toss that out, let's burn it and find out what else we can do. Um, so I think a little bit rebellious in that way um, is, is usually good for us. Um, and then, yeah, like playful, creative um, people who are willing to answer my, my ridiculous questions um, and, and just enter that sense of playfulness and not take themselves too seriously um, as tend to be our people. Nice. Uh, Kelly, we're almost done unpacking deeper learning at Anastasis. Uh, tips and strategies for school leaders who might be in more traditional systems who want to move in this direction. What do you got for them? Yeah, the, I, I have a hypothesis that if everyone took the time to really intentionally get to know who is in their classrooms, who's in their schools, that everything else would change. Um, because what we found to be true for us is that we fundamentally made different decisions when we knew exactly who was in our classroom. So, um, you know, when we heard all the kids' stories, it made it a lot harder to just say, oh, yeah, we're going to put you in this this kind of one size fits all curriculum because we knew who they were and what would and wouldn't work for them. Um, I think it's I, I think if you could do nothing else, like that relational piece um, is really powerful. Something else we do every day is we take a mile walk um, together as a community. Um, there's something about that I think that is transformative as well, that if you could find 15 minutes in your day to like walk together, um, teachers, students, everyone, um, and be outside in nature and, and you know, they're in community, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to start the day. Um, I think there are these like micro moves that we we overlook because they um, seem like a maybe a waste of time or they seem too simple. But um, we have found that it's often those moments of like the simplicity where a lot of the magic happens. And um, and it's something I think every school could make those two decisions tomorrow and and really transform the learning environment. Well, I love the idea of micro moves. Um, I think we always, you know, in like a big school district, you know, or even a small school district, we always think about big bucket items like curriculum, right, or hiring processes, or something like that. And I think, you know, what you're speaking to here is that those small moves can add up, um, and can have mm -hmm. tremendous impacts on sort of culture and learning climate and outcomes, which is pretty great. Uh, we're nearing the end of our time here. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? What haven't I asked you about? Well, I was just thinking, isn't it interesting then that when we think about how to change education, we think in such big sweeping, how do we do curriculum? How do we do hiring? How do we do assessment? Like these, these kind of big bucket items. And they're all, to me, focused in the wrong area, right? Like we're focused on these externals and what's the learning really about and for is for the student. And the, that doesn't often enter the conversation. And to me, like we're starting in the wrong place. And I think if we started in a, in a different place and then asked better questions about the other pieces, um, knowing who was in our in our classrooms, we would make better decisions. But we often are, you know, we're trying to spend money or we're trying to, you know, educate the masses all at once. And so we start in in these bigger bucket items. Um, 
and I, I really just can't get out of my head that we're starting in the wrong place, right? We're making it about, we're making school about curriculum or about assessment or about the right teachers. Um, and all of those things are important, but who is it in service of? And we're not starting there. Um, so yeah, I think if we did nothing else, if we could start with who's it in service of and then and then build accordingly, um, it might look different. Phenomenal. Thanks for talking with me today, Kelly. I'm so appreciative of your willingness to come chat with me on Leader Talk. We're sort of at the end of uh, you know our block of time here, but I'll share some additional resources for our listeners in the show notes about Anastasis, about the Learning Genome Project, about anything else that you want me to include there. Uh, be well. Have a great awesome. day. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leader Talk. All episodes and show notes are available at leadertalk.org, and the podcast is available at most major podcast hosting sites. If you have guest ideas for us, let Scott know. Thanks.